Our scripture lesson this morning, friends, comes from the book of Isaiah, which is found in the Old Testament. The words come from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And so I invite you to hear these words. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as a chief among the nations. It will be raised above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This, friends, is the word of God for us, the people of God. Um, I have a question for you this morning, which is not rhetorical. You may answer it. I feel like I always have to disclose that in church because no, people just stare at you. <laughs> How many of you came to worship this morning feeling excited and happy and just like full of hope? Oh, those are pretty good numbers. How many of you came to worship this morning feeling really exhausted and tired and maybe wishing you could stay home and cozy? Yeah, me too. As the holidays quickly approach, oh, I guess I should have said, how many of you are like somewhere in between or maybe in a completely different land? <laughs> yeah. As the holidays quickly approach, I am someone who usually loves the holiday season, Thanksgiving. I like my entire family gets together and it's absolute chaos and it's loud. And my entire life I've been one of those people who has friends who if they don't have a place to go can come to my family's house. And they will just, my grandma will love you and she will ask about you forever even if she's only met you once. You are now her new favorite adopted grandchild. Um, if you come, it's just loud and it's chaotic and everyone's talking past each other and there's animals on the farm and there's no air conditioning and there's people sitting on the front porch and like just people in every corner of this old farmhouse. It's just chaos and I love it. And it's very overwhelming I found for other people who live much quieter lives. <laughs> It is a joy for me, the holidays usually are. I like the movies, I like the celebrations. Since cable TV has become really expensive and almost obsolete, this is the only time of year that I will pay for a free subscription to YouTube TV for like a month. Because um, you can do a month long trial period so I can watch the 25 days of Christmas on ABC. I love gathering with friends. I usually love shopping. I love finding presents for people. And I love when I give someone a gift and it's really good and you're just like, ha ha ha. I love, um, I love ornaments. 
I have my own tree that I have been working on my entire life, perfecting. I love hearing rooms filled with laughter and crisp winter nights. I love lights everywhere. When I was a kid, my mom being a florist, Christmas was a really big time of year for her business. And so I would get to go to work with her um, and do all of the things for Christmas. Every year we would do the window display, like, you know, those big beautiful window displays together and then my mom would make me sit in it and pose and take pictures of me with a disposable camera <laughs> and that was what went in the Christmas car. <laughs> um, we would do all sorts of things together. I learned how to tie bows and fluff wreaths and how to properly fill a tree with lights because there's proper and improper ways to do all of those things. And if you're doing a tree with my mother, it will take at least an hour to prep the tree before you get to put anything on the tree. And as a child, I found this very frustrating. And then we would finish and we'd look at it and it would look really nice and full and you couldn't see any holes and I would be angry. She's always right. Um, as a kid, people who I thought were really fancy that lived in the country club would pay my mom to come and put at least 10 strands, if not more, of lights on every single one of the trees in their house and hang all the decorations for them and do all of this like labor for them so that all they had to do was enjoy hanging ornaments on their tree. And I thought this was the most bizarre thing ever, that you had so much money you could pay someone to do your Christmas decorating for you. But I loved it. I loved all of these things. Christmas is one of my favorite times of year, and frankly this year I'm just really struggling with it. Um, I'm really struggling to feel the merriment that I normally feel, and I've been wondering a lot, why? Why is that feeling here? Because I don't think it's just me. I've noticed, and the people that I know, people are, are either in like my camp, or they're just not really feeling it at all, or there's people I know who are just like, overloaded in the other camp, right? There's people who put up their Christmas decorations the day after Halloween and it's just really aggressive. <laughs> I don't see very many people in that in-between space right now. Every year I put up my own tree and I decorate my house as I want it decorated. I collect nativity scenes from different countries that I visit, usually that are handmade. I have a tree that is covered in ornaments, hallmark ornaments of things that I just like. So I have a lot of Golden Girls and Frank Sinatra ornaments. <laughs> and like various other rock bands. Um, but I also have this massive Disney ornament collection that my mom started for me before I was born. Um, it was a subscription service you could get where you got an ornament a month every month for however long in the early 90s. And so, I know, sorry. Since then, I've been working on this Disney ornament collection. And one of my favorite things to do is to scavenge online and in thrift stores and consignment shops for a new ornament that's not in my collection because they're really expensive when they're new. Hallmark is a ripoff. <laughs> but they make great ornaments. And because they're not used very much during the year, you can find them in really good condition for like a fourth of the price. And so that is one of my favorite things to do all year round, but to particularly in this season. This year so far, I found a set of three Hunchback of Notre Dame ornaments, including the singing gargoyles, which I'm very excited about. 
I also found um, an ornament of the cranky old man from the movie Up. His name's Carl. And I named my cat after him. <laughs> I was so excited to find these ornaments. And yesterday, as I was in my kitchen, I was looking at them all sitting on my bar, waiting for me to pull everything else out. And I thought, I really just don't want to do that. I love these ornaments. And why don't I love them right now? This is one of my favorite traditions. And I have no, no good feelings about it. I just don't. And I just kept wondering, why? Why isn't this here? And I think there's probably a number of reasons. The past couple of years have been absolutely wild in my personal life, and there's been illness and death and difficulties in my family, and it's hit every single year for the past several years around this time. But also, just in a bigger sense, the world is just on fire right now. We're coming out of a pandemic, we're tired, things are rough. I realize I don't feel as joyous as I usually do, and I think it's just because the world is generally disappointing. The dictionary definition of hope is literally to cherish a desire with anticipation, to want something to happen or be true, that is to expect it with confidence. And these days, I don't expect good in the world with any kind of confidence. In fact, most of the time when I do feel really optimistic about things, they don't work out that way. And I find myself feeling a little bit crushed by the fact that the world has just let me down again. The world as we know it is a dreary place. There is war and daily mass shootings, literally daily. I can't keep up with them targeted usually at the most vulnerable or marginalized among us. There's never-ending pandemics. There's the rising cost of living, which makes it really impossible to easily live. There are so many things happening every day that I don't understand. There's celebrities that I've never heard of. There's like this weird comeback of 90s fashion, which makes no sense to me. <laughs> I was a child in the 90s. We looked awful. <laughs> should not come back. The only thing that should come back is velvet tracksuits, and I will die on that hill because <laughs> they are so comfy. Just like none of the world makes sense to me right now. None of it. And none of it makes me feel hopeful. None of it puts me in a particularly like peppy, Christmassy spirit. At best, I feel like I'm often lying about the fact that I have hope which is abnormal for me because I tend to be on the optimistic side of living. I don't want to be a Scrooge or a downer and so I just kind of exist in my quiet hopelessness. And I think that's maybe what a lot of us are doing right now. As we approach today's scripture and as I sat staring at my ornaments that I wish I loved but I don't right now, I was reminded that in today's scripture, Isaiah too finds himself living in a less than hope-filled world. Isaiah, for those of you who don't know, is a prophet. And he prophesies under the reign of four Judean kings. That was Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Really easy to remember names. 
and he did that roughly from the year 739 to 681 BC. Isaiah's living in a time when we just see prophet after prophet to the kingdom of Israel. That's why we have this collection of books in the Old Testament called the prophets, one right after another. And each of them is a new person trying to convey God's message to the people of Israel. And in every single book, almost every time, the people of Israel fail to listen. It happens over and over again. According to Isaiah's writing, there is no hope in anything that's being made by people in his time period. The northern kingdom of Israel has been carried away in captivity. The kingdom of Judah is committing idolatry and evil and all sorts of other sins. The kingdom of Assyria, an outside kingdom, has dominated and taken control of what's known as the Fertile Crescent. The kingdom of Assyria is occupying some of Israel's land. And they're a major threat to the well-being of the Jewish people. The kingdom of Babylon is gaining power and it's on the rise as the people who will replace Assyria and become the dominant threat, further oppressing the Jewish people. Isaiah writes these words in the midst of Israel being at war, under siege, straying from God, and just full of all sorts of mess. Isaiah cries out to his people, convinced that only God is the answer. He cries out for them to place their trust in God, telling them that political, political alliances and military alliances, that all of these people and these things around them, they can never protect you. That placing your hope in these people will never rid you of the enemy. Isaiah calls for his people to stop, stop living into the hope of the world and to turn back towards God, to denounce the things that pull them away from God or obscure God's purpose in their life, to denounce social injustices and meaningless sacrifices, to denounce anything that just isn't of God, including probably some of the leaders themselves because Israel's really good at picking some bad ones. Isaiah looks around and sees terror. Things have changed and also things haven't changed, friends. And yet Isaiah writes the words he writes today. He begins his writing by saying that what he's saying is not a human pipe dream. It's a divine revelation. Isaiah begins his writing, his prophecy to his people by telling them, this is not me. This is a word from God. This is what I've seen, a vision. This is not one man's hope in a messed up world. This is the promise of the God who rules our world. And so listen. This is not one voice in the crowd. This is the voice of God which has come to me. 
Isaiah tells his people that what he saw in the vision he's had is a mountain, the mountain of the Lord's temple, established as chief among mountains, raised above the hills. He tells them that this temple will be destroyed soon and Mount Zion will be covered with its rubble, a pile of ruins, which doesn't sound very hopeful, but then... God shows Isaiah that sometime in the future, in the days to come, God will raise up that temple and the mountain on which it stands, and all nations will stream to it. That the mountain will fall, and then it will rise again, and it will be better than it was before. Isaiah names the despair as it is. He names that it's still going to keep coming. And then he sees the hope. He sees the end, and then he sees the beginning. Isaiah 2 says that God's law will one day bring the same sense of identity and stability and moral purpose to all the world. That all will benefit from God's good rules. That all will live in the structure God intends. That we will be like the kingdom of God on earth. That a sense of rights trampled and wrong done, wrongdoings will just fall away. That nation will no longer be divided from nation. That God will settle disputes between people. God promises that when God's law becomes the law of the nations, God will judge the squabbles. And as a result of that divine justice, there will be peace. It will be so peaceful that war itself will die. And people will turn their shovels and their backhoes. People will turn their weapons into shovels and backhoes. That instruments of harm will be used of it to become instruments of harvest, to produce goodness. Isaiah proclaims that God's reign is coming. And in his last line, he tells us, look, O people, for the light of the Lord. And while there may be despair and destruction, both for Isaiah and for us, that is our word today, friends. That's the message of hope that Isaiah brings and it's to both his people in their context, but also it's a good word for us in our context. That is a word that despair may happen, that the world and anything created by people is not a good place to put your hope. But there's hope in the coming light. There's hope in the light of God, which endures all darkness and all time. And that is the hope that we look towards this Advent season, friends. It's why we light the Advent candles every week. To remind us of the light that shines in the darkness. I haven't felt very Christmassy, as I'm sure many of you perhaps haven't. And I have realized that maybe I should do it anyway. I think sometimes doing things that bring forth light and joy, whether or not they actually 
muster that in us in that exact moment. They're an act of resistance, friends. Living into the joy of Christ and the light, it's an act of resistance to a world that's trying to squash it out. And so at some point this week, I am going to buy a new Christmas tree because my cats killed my last one. And I'm going to put it up. And I'm going to hang my ornaments on the top two-thirds of it. (laughs) And I'm going to sit in my living room in the dark with just my tree on probably for the rest of December and January. (laughs) To let that light shine through in the hope that hope will come. As I came into this space this morning, before all of these lights were turned on, it was just the lights of the decorations. And I kind of wanted to just leave everything else off because they shine so beautifully. They're rich and they penetrate darkness and they illuminate this space and it begins to feel like hope. As you venture into Advent this season, friends, my hope for you is that you will find hope, that you will know it does not lie in this world, but it does lie in Christ, who has come into this world, who is the light of the world, and we can be a part of that, even if it's something as simple as as putting up a tree and turning on some candles and watching a bad Hallmark movie. Thanks be to God.